I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Keys win it, man! Whoa! He's gone to give him out, and then he's rubbed his nose. Rubbed his nose. <laughs> yeah. What about to McCullum? Shane? He might be trying to shake the sweet one after that first one. He might try and slide one in there. Fast. Yeah! Well, you yeah, called it. It's out. Let's run out. Let's come off Santa's head on the sky. You'll never see that again. Yeah, you think you've seen it all, don't Welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast, ahead of round nine, the final round of the Big Bash Supercoach season. Proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. I am your host, Tim Williams. Very, very fired up for the last episode, mainly because I get the dual defending champion on deck for this week's potty to talk about his year, to talk about the final round, all those good things. Andrew Langley, mate, how are you? I'm all right, Tim. Thanks for having me. Looks like it's uh, not going to have the success this year, but I've had just as much fun, so it's all good. Mate, up until this final round, you were sitting fairly pretty in about 80 or 90-odd, and you took a few gambles uh, in round eight that backfired a little bit, mate. It, uh, they were worthwhile, calculated gambles, uh, as we say with a lot of your plays, but uh, unfortunately, <laughs> probably not the three-peat that we were looking for, but still a hell of a year. Yeah, no, I'm pretty happy. If I didn't go rogue last round, I'd probably still be sitting in the top 100. But, um, you know, that's the way it goes. And look, mate, I'm sure that the two years that, that you did win back-to-back, there was a couple of bigger, more left-field moves that if you didn't take them, you might not have been the defending champ two years in a row. So what goes oh. around comes around. Mate, the Cricketers Playbook podcast, the latest episode is live. Myself, Maxie Bryden and Hammy Goodman look at the big topics in world cricket, a general cricket podcast, not super coach based. We debate the issues of the week, things like whether or not Steve Smith opening the bat for Australia is the right call for the West Indies series, the impact of South Africa's second 11 essentially being sent to New Zealand, the impact that'll have on Test cricket over there, the West Indies series preview, the stars to look out for. We also scour the week in world cricket for the best performances to deliver, to deliver the world team of the week. You can listen to the Cricketers Playbook podcast via the SC Playbook feeds. Guys, the SC Playbook Unlimited group, Tall Paul's Balls, coached by Andrew, is sitting sixth overall. He is an SC Playbook subscriber. He's the, absolutely the front runner at the moment to claim our major prize of $500 and a BBL jersey of choice. So good luck to Andrew and anyone sitting around that top 10, 20, uh, making a run for the top spot overall. So hopefully it's 25K he's getting, uh, not just that $500. 
On today's show, we're going to chat to Andrew Langley, that is, of course, about the lessons he's learnt and the ones that have been reinforced to him from this Supercoach this season. Uh, we're going to have a little, little bit of a look back through that. We're also going to deep dive into the Sydney Thunder on their double game week. Despite myself, had a look at those guys last round in round eight, so you can go back and listen to that episode as well for some deeper thoughts, but we will get Andrew's takes and his best trade targets from the Thunder. Uh, we also look at a lot of the single game week targets as well and the ones to eye off. We'll drop our round nine trade and skipper plans uh, and we'll go from there. But Andrew, firstly, I'm going to start, mate, with uh, an allegation via the very reputable, reputable Twitter. A man by the name of Samir has had a bit of a crack at you. Uh, and this is to quote his tweet. I'm convinced Diabolical Angel is cheating. Checked his team at 7.13pm and had Steve Smith in there and no Sams. Check his team after the Smith duck bowl by Sams. He's got Sams and doesn't have Smith. Samir says there needs to be an investigation into his back-to-back wins overall. Mate, how do you def- defend yourself from uh, Samir's very dangerous allegation? Uh, look, he checked my team at 7.13. Lockouts at 7.15 is all I can say. <laughs> if he had checked it at 7.15, he would have seen I didn't have Smith. Um, that was me playing a bit of games. I was playing against a few people. There's a lot of people convinced I'd bring Smith in. Yeah. Um, I'm As you know, I'm not a big advocate for bat-only players if they're not playing a double or got a good fixture coming up. So I wasn't ever really bringing Smith in. So <laughs> just had him sitting there for a bit of fun. And that's what happens when you have so many people watching your team is <laughs> people start to make all these calls. They don't like it yeah. when you, um, you, you have a bit of fun. Yeah, the uh, you're the dual champ for a reason, mate. A few tricky little games there, and I think you've uh, you've certainly lost a supporter in Samir. So, mate, you you can afford to lose one because there's a few out there on, on the, the work you've done the last couple of seasons. Hey, mate, let's get into your BBL 13 Supercoach season, and I just want to have a chat to you about a few things. And, and I'm going to start before we get to the things you've learned and, and had reinforced a few key moves that you made that stood out to me and just want to get your reasoning for them. The first one goes back to around around about round three or so it might have been and Bo Webster had missed the opening game or two for the Stars due to uh, the PM's 11 game and he came back, he played a game, he didn't bowl from memory. I don't believe he got many runs. Uh, The Stars had the double, it must have been round three and you put the VC on him when every man and his dog was going on Glenn Maxwell, which seemed the very, very obvious choice. Maxie went okay without going great. Bo Webster went bonkers. It was a big call at the time. Can you talk us through uh, the reasoning on this one? Yeah, the, my reasoning was based around Maxwell, really. The teams came out. Um, Webster was named to bat at three, which is a good role. i I've had him previous years. I know he's a great all-rounder. He doesn't always get three or four overs, but when he does bowl, he goes well. Um, Maxwell was returning from an arm injury to his bowling arm, and I just didn't think Maxwell was going to bowl. I was actually surprised so many people were picking Maxwell's VC because I thought, he's not going to bowl. This is an opportunity to bet against him. And by using Webster as the person to bet against Maxwell, who's going to benefit from Maxwell not bowling? It was going to be Webster in that team. Maybe Stoinis. I actually bought Stoinis and Webster in that week, but chose to put the VC on Webster just because he was batting three. And, you know, the luck went my way in the end, but it turned out uh, Maxwell didn't bowl. So that, I thought, was a bigger risk. People were playing more of a risk going for Maxwell that week when there was a bit of unknown around his fitness. And as you say, mate, like you sort of said, the luck went your way, but 
you know, it was an informed decision around that, that bowling army didn't bowl and you're on the sort of money with that one. Uh, the other one that stood out to me just a couple of rounds back, round seven, the Brisbane Heat on the double. Michael Nisa, who'd had a really poor season by his lofty standards, particularly in comparison to last season. He hadn't had a lot of opportunity with the bat. He hadn't been bowling out his overs. There'd been games where he bowled one or two overs. Again, like, start of the season, you'd be like, all right, a double game week, Nisa a lock. But by the time he got there, based on how he'd gone this year and his role, it hadn't been great. You took that gamble for whatever reason it was. Maybe it was pedigree. Maybe you saw something in the lineup. Nisa came in and absolutely brained it. Why? What talks through that one? Yeah, Nisa, it's a bit like Webster. Um, I I've always will favour a, a, um, a player that's an all-rounder and a good chance to bat and bowl. And Nisa... Whilst he wasn't bowling a lot, the, the story at the start of the year was um, that he was, you know, he was being managed because he, he got he left out of the Prime Minister's 11 as a result. And so I just felt the time for him to start bowling three and four overs is probably getting due. He was looking a little bit better. Yeah, he wasn't getting the results. I think he bowled really well the game before. He might have only bowled one or two overs, but one of them, I think, was a maiden. And he looked good. So I just it was just one of those gut feel... That's the all-rounder. That's the person I like to captain on a double. If you look before that round, the highest scorers each round, um, I think apart from round one when Munro was the highest scorer, but just looking through it, you have Matty Short, Webster, Sams, Maxwell. I think Matty Short did it again in round six. So it was, it's those all-rounders that are the big scorers. And um, and I just felt Nisa was worth a play. And unfortunately, I put the VC on him and decided not to take it because he only got... 59, oh, I think, in the first oh. game and went with Hardy instead. I, was, I wasn't I was going to do it because I like the pod factor of, of um, Nessa and I just went for Hardy and I do have a rule, which I've spoken about, the 55 rule, and therefore I was going to take it. And it's just those other v, popular VCs in the Brisbane team actually scored better than Nessa in that first game. So I thought, oh, I, I might run with Hardy, but, you know, that backfired in the end. So I don't always make the right 50-50 calls. <laughs> that was quite... Yeah. Look, you're due to get one wrong, and the fact that you, you broke one of your own golden rules to do it and not loop him, mate, tough one. Uh, look, you are a numbers man. Do you know what you would have been coming had you have taken that loop at the time? Oh, I think the loop cost me, I can't remember exactly, but it cost me about 140 points, 150 <sighs> points, and I was about 300-odd off the lead. I think it was the difference between being about 400 behind and 250 behind going into the second last round. So, um, you know, that's super coach. That's the fun of it. That's the game, mate. You can't win them all. You win most of them. So I, I think you can take that one. And, mate, lastly, round eight, you decided to trade Maddie Short out at huge ownership. He came out and he scored around about 88 points, I think it was, with a good performance with that end ball. Could have been a lot more had he taken any wickets. He had something like none for 15 off his three overs, so very economical, some good economy bonus points there. Uh, made it, in a lot of ways, the trade speaks for itself because it was obviously a very dangerous move, but Matty Short, something like 98 99% ownership among top-ranked teams overall. You obviously saw that as an antipod play and going, look, I, I need to make a big move, and that was it. Yeah, any other round, um, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I purely did it. There's two rounds to go. I'm over 400 behind now. I needed mm. to do something different. My feeling was that Short was, I think, in 99% of teams. He was looking like the most popular vice-captain pick, which is what I would have done if I had him. And I thought the only chance I've got to catch up 
on people ahead of me is to get rid of him. He was worth a lot of money, so I could build my cash reserves to bring some players in. Um, you know, take a punt and hope he doesn't have a, a blinder of a game. He, he didn't have a blinder, but he still did well. I think he scored 88. But at the end of the day, if I had him in my team and kept him, yes, I would have gone better last round, but I wouldn't have been any closer to the leader. I would have scored about the same. So I wasn't making yep. up ground. So I lost ground in a punt to try and make ground. But, um, you know, I wouldn't change it. I'd do it again. Mate, they're, they're the gambles you have to take. And as I said, if he came out and didn't bowl at all, got his dark, you're absolutely laughing. It didn't prevail that way, but uh, that is how the game goes. A quick side note, I forgot to mention, uh, and I swear it wasn't uh, intentional, at the top of the show, Kuma Stallions, 4,900th overall. Tough season. Very tough season. Uh, one of the worst in recent memory for the Mighty Stales. But we are in the top 5,000, so we're on the way up. And hopefully a good round to finish can get us into the top 4,000. So... Uh, one to forget. Andrew, back to you and your season, mate. Much uh, more appealing than mine. Is there any new lessons you've learned from Supercoach BBL this season? I think it, it rams home a few points. There's, there's something that was a bit different this year that I noticed because of the games that were affected early on by weather and um, changed a bit. And just there were a few buys and we had that triple game week to start the year. I set my team up to the fixture like I always do. I went really heavy in Renegades and Stars because mm. I was playing the fixture. Mm. Um, they Neither of them really fired when they first started. And so whilst I set my team up that way and when they both had the double in round three, I had an awesome round that round, which is how I was planning to play it. But because of the buys, because the team's not playing and because of the Renegades and Stars both struggling, my team value was always behind everyone around me. And I think it highlighted to me that you really can't forget about cash generation. Whilst playing the fixture is great, um, maybe I had to mitigate the risk a little bit. And I think that's something I'll take away. I mightn't go full on at the fixture from the first round. I might just back off a little bit just to be a little bit more flexible going into the next rounds and then start attacking the fixture once it's obvious who the good teams are, who's playing well, who's not. And you've got more information. You know, information's power. So once you start seeing some games played, you know more where the players are playing, what role they've got. Yeah, it was a real, obviously, pivotal moment of the season. As you mentioned, there was, in round one, there was a ton of teams on the double game. We Pete were on the triple. The Heat ended up having a game washed out from memory. Uh, the Stars and Renegades, as you said, people went heavy on those sides. And look, everyone looking at the draw went relatively heavy, but people went particularly heavy. I know I did on those sides, thinking they'd be better than they were. As you said, because they started so poorly, not only did your scoring take a hit, but also just that cash generation. I've been playing on the back foot since the start of the year because I got my Stars and my Renegades wrong early on. There was the abandoned game as well, uh, Renegades and Scorchers, I believe it was. I had a few extra Scorchers in my team just... Um, yeah, and it's been been playing catch-up ever since then, mate. What about, have you had anything reinforced to you, things that you've stood by in the past that you've gone, yep, you know, this is, it's been reinforced in, in BBL 13? Yeah, um, I think feel most rounds, I always take an approach to try and keep my team as flexible as possible so I can make changes if there's bad news or something happens. Um I can, I can tweak, play my bench emergencies or, or change things around um, to avoid, you know, a player suddenly not playing or expecting to play, something like that. I think a lot of teams lock themselves in right at the start of each round and with their trades and their moves, and then they have to cop these bad luck stories on the chin, and, and that's when we hear, you know, the game's all about luck, but if you've left <laughs> yourself a little bit of room to move, you can sometimes avoid it. 
Um, don't always do it the right way or go about it. You know, it's one of the reasons last round we just had. I just bought in Tom Rogers from a Renegades because I wanted a Renegades player in my team for this final round, um, purely because they're playing the last game of the round. And I could trade Tom Rogers out. I've got a, a heat player to play the loop, but if my loop doesn't work, I can switch that heat player to Rogers, bring him back in. It doesn't cost me a trade. So that's the thinking behind that. Now, seeing that weather forecast for the last game this round, maybe Rogers won't play either, but we'll see. There's there there's a lot of luck involved in Supercoach BBL, mate. But at the same time, I think it's you going back to back was a great, I think almost a wake-up call for people that to sit there and go, oh, it's all luck-based, it's all luck-based. You going back-to-back back and, honestly, you're on the precipice of, of going in three-peat or being sort of top 10 again this year. It's shown that, sure, there's luck involved, but there's a hell of a lot of planning and, and nows and all those good things we love. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. About Supercoach as well, so it's certainly not just a luck-based game. Uh, as much as I'd like to say it was with my current rank, but there's a little bit more to it than just that one. Uh, mate, we'll wrap that up for your season recap for now. Uh, a big thank you to our major sponsors, Paddy and George from Mortgage Choice SCW, for their support this season. Uh, do keep the mind in the future. If you're looking to refinance, consolidate your debts, get the best rate on a mortgage if you're looking to get into the housing market, get a short-term loan. They're guns at what they do. They love their super coach all around. They're just bloody good fellas. That would normally cost you $129, but if you mention SC Play, but when you get in contact, it's completely free of charge. Flick the boys a message on Instagram at patandgeorge underscore SCW or give them a buzz on 02-9521-1611. Doesn't matter where in Australia you are based. Uh, the email and all those good things are in the articles at scpublic.com.au. Andrew, before we move on to our Sydney Thunder preview, just um, going back quickly to your season, and at the start of the year, you, you spoke of team value and the certain number that you try and hit before you you transition from a cash generation focus to a purely points focus. You mentioned before you started a bit slow on the cash generation and team values probably impacted. How did that play out? Did that number sort of hold up, do you think, around that the ideal team value was probably also impacted quite significantly by the, the washed out games, the abandoned game, all, all things like that? Yeah, so, so my goal is 2.5 million um, within about four rounds, four to five rounds. I hit that target for my team this round just gone, so that's how far behind right. I was. And if you look at the rankings, you can see now that the teams up the top have got 
value is up around 2.6 million there. They're flying. They, they're picking all the good players. They're going well. So I think the 2.5 million stands. Um, as I said earlier, just the way I set my team up at the start and with some missed games and the and the Stars and Renegades getting off to a poor start, I was sort of on the back foot um, to getting to that figure and it took me a lot longer than it should have. Yeah, there you go. Holds up then uh, as expected, mate. All right, we go on to our Sydney Thunder preview and so we'll go pretty heavily on, on Andrew and his sort of targets and thoughts here. As I said, myself and the spy had, had a good chat about it in the Round 8 podcast, which you can go back and listen to to get uh, some different uh, contrasting sort of views around that. Um, we'll start just with the batting order, mate, and we'll go to the top of the order. David Warner, 37 off 39 after arriving on the chopper. Look, he's, of course, bat only. He gets the Monica Oval deck, which is absolutely glorious to bat on one of the flattest decks in the country. Uh, but for the game two of the double, they play on the Sydney Showground, which is one of the more more of the minefields in Australian cricket. So, uh, so one good deck, one poor deck. Davey Warner, he's, he's affordable. I think he's priced at 126K. Is he bite you're keen on? I have no choice. He's in my team. I got him a couple of rounds ago when I needed a donut in go. my team and I grabbed, War, grabbed Warner to be um, – so I figured – you know, he's someone who was going to play later in the year. So um, I've got him now. I, I don't know whether I would necessarily get him if I had the choice, but um, mm. he's there. The other bloke at the top of the order, Alex Hales, has obviously found a bit of form in the back end of the tournament, one of the most traded in this week. We do believe that he will be available for both games. I I think he'll play both games, Andrew, but there's got to be a little bit of concern, the fact that the Thunder are done and dusted. They're out of the tournament. He has had a calf niggle, probably plays both games, but I wouldn't say he's locked into them. Yeah, I think that's the concern with him is is that the Thunder are out of it now. Um, so who knows what they might try in these last couple of games. Um, and if he's got to go off and play the ILC, is it the ILT for, um, tournament? Um, I think he'll, you know, there's every chance that he could get rested or, or go early, even though he's available for both games. It's, it's an unknown. I wish I wish yeah. I knew, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss one, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him play both. Yeah, very enticing option for that Monica game in particular. However, uh, I think I'll be looking elsewhere, but geez, we know, we know he's got a big one in him. He's been in some good form. Cameron Bancroft, I bought in early this round. Uh, sorry, like in round eight, I should say, as a bit of a pod play, getting rid of Inglis, uh, also handy for looping. Bancroft, you know, he'll he'll take the gloves, Batty at number three with David Warner back. Point to prove. No good in the Sydney smash. Uh, is Bancroft a bloke you're keen on? Yeah, I, I am only because he's the wicketkeeper and I don't love the wicketkeeper position. And if I can get one that's going to have two goes at it, um, I'm more than happy to grab him and put him up in the in the wicketkeeper spot. The issue it does bring, though, we're talking about Warner and Hales, I don't think I'd want all three in my team. Um, have three of the top order I don't love. So um, it's probably about making a decision on Hales for me um, as a result. But given he's the wicketkeeper, I think Bancroft will come into my turn. Yeah, taking the gloves, obviously the big factor there, sort of mid to late way through through the tournament. Uh, Daniel Sams is probably, like he's the number one pickup for this round for obvious reasons. He's batting at number six for them. He's been... Okay with the bat, getting better and better as the tournament goes on with the ball. He's bowling those key death overs. The fact that the top order have been struggling a little bit means he's got plenty of opportunities with the bat. Look, it's easy to make a case for him. Do you think he's a must-have for this round or could you look at the anti-pod play and go against him? 
I think he's the pick of the Thunder players. He's the first pick, if you're going to pick one. Um, he, he's got that role. He's going to bat nearly every innings. He's going to bowl four. He's going to get the death overs if they're bowling first. Um, I just think, yeah, take him and, and see how you go. Certainly, you know, like any player, no one's a must-have. He could bet against mm. him. It could pay off. But I think you're looking for that 10% chance it doesn't pay off. I think you're better off with him. I'm with you, mate. At my rank, and I'm looking at Antipod plays and going against the crowd and against the norm, and I just find it so hard. To, I can't make it really a case to go against him. So he'll be coming into my side. We'll get to our trade shortly. Uh, mate, in the bowling unit, Chris Green has been solid this tournament. He's not. He doesn't take a lot of wickets. He's very it's sort of Ashton Agar vibes about him, quite an economical defensive bowler, handy enough. Again, in this batting order, he gets enough chances with the willow because he's got a lot of points this season with the bat. I was a little bit keen on him. I'm going a little bit cold on him. How do you see Chris Green, Nathan McAndrews, a bloke I am keen on, bowling key overs, getting his four, likely to play both games. He's been in really good form in the back end of the tournament. Um, Tanvis Sanger, I've owned him all year. Another great one who's come, well, not coming into form. He's been pretty good all season and starting to get a few wickets fall his way. Uh, in that bowling attack, anyone you're looking to purchase? So I've already got Green in my team. Um, mm. So I think you've said, you know, I think Tanvir and McAndrew are probably the only other ones I would seriously look at if I want a bowler. I don't love the bowling attack there at the Thunder outside Sam's role. They've got a lot of bat-only players and a lot of bowlers and, it's tough. We know one of them's going to go well. One of their bowlers will go well over the two games. Maybe a couple of them will, but it's tough to predict who it's going to be. If you had to rank, and I'll put you on the spot a little bit, but if you were putting a little bit of a uh, a pecking order of the trade-in targets from the Sydney Thunder this week, let's say top three or four, uh, how would you do that? I think I'd wait to see the toss in the game mm. and see whether Thunder are bowling or batting first. I think I'd put McAndrew at the top if they're bowling first. I think he's a good chance to get um, get that sort of death over at the end, you know, the 20th over in the first innings, and often there's a wicket or two for the taking. Yeah. Um, if they're batting second, I'd probably um, favour Tanvir or Green um, more than McAndrew. Just um, the spinners... The spinners can do well in the first innings if, if people are looking to attack them. Sometimes the, the quicks can slow them down and then they try and take it out on the spinner and the spinners get a couple of cheap wickets. So I think I'll base it on the toss and go, McAndrew, if Thunder's bowling, if they're batting, go for one of the spinners. Yeah. Mate, uh, guys, if you find yourself at any time in the future doing it a bit tough to control your punting habits, uh, there is help available. Gareth Wyatt from Seacall, his team, he joined the show last episode, had a bit of a chat about what he and his team have been able to do for SC Playbook listeners who are struggling with their gambling a little bit. Uh, if you do think that might be you, make the life-changing call and get in contact with Gareth and Seacall uh, at any time in the future. If you're listening to the Cricket Podcast and you tune out and you're waiting for us till next year, uh, at any point over the next 12 months, make that call. It's free of charge, completely confidential. Gareth mentioned he actually misquoted his email on that last episode when he was on the show. Uh, so if you do want to get in touch with the team, email them at gareth.w at seacall.org.au. Seacall is spelled C-E-C-A-L. You can call them on 02955940013 or on Instagram, just flick them a direct message, Seacall Gambling. Uh, Andrew, your round nine trade and skipper plans, what are you looking at at this stage? 
Um, I think Sam's is the obvious skipper skipper at this stage. Um, and I think I'll bring in three thunder. I know there's some weather concerns about the final game of the round, but, uh, you know, what have I got to lose? Um, that'll bring <laughs> me up to six thunder. So at the moment, I'm looking at Bancroft for that wicketkeeper spot. I may, uh, McAndrew and Tambi Sanger, the other two I'm looking at, perhaps Hales. I've got to decide which two of those three. I don't like the idea of having, as I said before, Warner, Hales and Bancroft in my team, though, so I'd probably lean towards the bowlers. Um, that gives me that gives me six thunder. And then I've got, I've got two Heat players in my team, um, so I'll use them if I need to do any loops. So I'll be playing loops off 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 my um, bench and just just tricking and looking at my team now. So we've got um, Hobart and Stars playing the second game of the round. I've got four of them in my team, so I'll probably look to holding a couple of them and have them on my bench with the E on them. See how they go, um, and if they if they don't if they do poorly, I'll um, I'll bring in players for my two Brisbane players. Um, if they do well. I'll, I'll um, keep my two Brisbane players in my team. Yeah, I'm similar there, mate. I think I've got uh, Overton and potentially Big Stoin as my AEs at the moment. Might just straight up play uh, Chowdhury and Ellis. If none of them boats go good, I'll end up playing him. Um, for myself, I already own Bancroft and Tanvir Sanger at the Thunder. Looking likely to go Walter out, Fraser McGurk and Will Sutherland, who sums up my season. I brought him in last round. And it turned out he had a, a bit of a side strain or something rather, so he didn't bowl. Bad at five, which was great. Didn't bowl, absolute killer. So uh, unless there's any news, he's good to go on his bowling. He'll probably be heading out of my team because uh, he'd be handy to a home for that fixture on the Sydney showground. But anyway, coming in, uh, McAndrew, Sam, tossing up between David Warner and look, he's highly owned, so it's not overly appealing for that reason. But, mate, Aaron Hardy, who I, I don't own, Bold four overs for the Scorchers, batting at number three, playing over in Perth. Do we think he gets those overs again? Obviously, uh, Jai Richardson's out for the season, which is beneficial because Hardy, he's just got the ultimate role there if he's going to bowl those four overs and bat number three. Yeah, and his record in Perth is great. Like, I know he didn't do so well the round just gone, but he, he bowled and he's got a great record record there. You know, he... If you can look at his home home game record against his away games, it's, it's a huge difference. So I yeah. just think, yeah, he's. I'll be having him on field. I think he's one of the yeah. better single game options. He's up there almost with a maxi. Yeah, absolutely, uh, mate. Your captains for round nine. What are you looking at? So as I said before, Sam's. I'd look at for the captain. I I've just got to decide whether I put the captaincy straight on him whether I mm. play safe and go for the vice captain. I've just got to, if I go with the vice captain, I could be stuck with my loops if they don't go well. So it might depend if Harper is named in the Melbourne Stars squad tomorrow when they announce that later today or not. If Harper's, because I've got Harper in my team, I know I can use him as the, the loop. So if Harper's not named in that Stars team, I'll probably make Sam's vice captain. Then I've got to back up. If things go wrong, if he happened to get injured or score poorly, I can look at someone else. Yeah. Uh, I am also awaiting a bit of Harper news, which could impact the Paul Walter out as well around those loops. So wait and see if Harper's name that squad. Uh, mate, if, if the VC in, say, Dan Sams did stink it up, who would you look to maybe throw the C on? Would it be someone like Hardy? Would you go to the, the tried and the tested in Glenn Maxwell? Where do you look? <sighs> Maxwell at the MCG is pretty good. 
as is Hardy at Optus. So I think they're the two obvious ones. Um, the way my round, way my season's sort of petering out now, it's probably I'm going to look at what's the least popular option and go for that yeah. one. But I'd say to be one of those two. Yeah, VC Dan Sams for me. The C. If Hardy were to come in, I'd be pretty tempted by him. Glenn Maxwell, he only bowled the one over last game. Been an absolute shit show trying to work out that bowling order between Webster and Stoyne and Max and all these blokes at the stars this season. Uh, guys, that is a wrap for SC Playbook's Big Bash podcast content this season. There'll be some more articles up on the SC Playbook website over the next day or two. A massive, massive thank you to the SC Playbook community for all their support throughout another ripping Big Bash season. I uh, really do hope you've enjoyed the content out there. We've loved putting it out there. We do so every year, so we do appreciate uh, all the support, all the people that listen and read our articles and do all those good stuff. Uh, Andrew, a massive thank you to, to you as well, mate. Very grateful having a bloke of your calibre, your knowledge, your nous on this podcast this season. You've been awesome interacting with the Playbook community in the WhatsApp chat this season, giving them great insights and feedback. So uh, we've been lucky to have you and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I've had a great time. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. And just good luck to everyone out there listening. I know there'll be a lot of people going for a personal best year this year or um, certainly up there. Um, Andrew up in sixth, I think you said. So, yep. you know, just good luck to everyone and hopefully everyone finishes on a high. Yeah, we'll be riding the big fella home. Guys, the cricket content at SC Playbook will now be running year-round. As mentioned, the Cricketers Playbook podcast will be year-round, as will the social media content. Uh, so if you are wanting to stay in tune with what's going on around world cricket, do follow us on our socials. SC Playbook Cricket is the handle. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all those good places. Uh, once again, thank you for another great season. Good luck to finish it. And uh, we'll be back for the NRL season very, very shortly. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 